church family, you'll find the book of John chapter 12. We'll begin to read in verse number 42. And this morning I want to speak to you on this subject, living to be liked. Living to be liked. John chapter 12, we'll begin to read in verse 42. Please stand, all those that can, and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in John 12, begin to read in verse number 42. The Bible says these words, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I've come as light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Let's pray. God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would challenge hearts today. God, I pray for those who have never again, uh, as we've prayed already, God, who've never relinquished control of their life to Jesus Christ. God, we pray they will repent today, turn from their sin, and surrender their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray you'll challenge our church family today, Lord. And God, you'll speak through your word exactly where we stand in need today. And as we come to a time of invitation, God, simply what you're calling us to do, God, we will respond with yes, that your perfect will might be done. It's in Christ's name we pray and we ask these things. Amen. I'm about you to be seated. Saul had been established as king, uh, and he was to be what would be a great judgment upon the nation of Israel because, remember, friend, one of the greatest judgments that God can send upon you often is what you want. And all the people wanted a king. They wanted to be like other nations. But Saul would not be the one who followed the Lord. And God had commanded Saul and the nation of Israel to go and, pub and to punish uh, Amalek and to bring back nothing. They were to kill the king Agag and they were to destroy everything that was there in Amalek. But they didn't do that. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15 and verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs and all that was good and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless that was not that way, they utterly destroyed it. And God told Samuel that the kingdom would now pass from Saul's hands to David. And Samuel came to challenge, and he says, you know, what, what is it that you're doing? Verse number 13, uh, Samuel said to Saul, and then Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord, I've performed the commandment of the Lord. But that was a lie he hadn't. And Samuel said in verse 14, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear? And he had also spared King Agag. He had not killed him. And so Samuel began to challenge him. 
And he realized that he had sinned. But listen to what his excuse was. Listen to why he said he didn't obey the will of God. In verse number 24, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Listen, because I feared the people and obeyed not their voice. You see, Samuel was living, Saul was living to be liked. He cared more about what the people had to say than what God had to say. He cared more about being approved by the people than obeying the word of God. Isaiah chapter 51 and verse number 12 says this, I even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and the son of man who will be made like grass? And so it's, it's the fear of rejection or the fear of not being liked. And it grips people's hearts even today. There are so many people who struggle with being fully committed to the lordship of Jesus Christ because they're afraid their peers and their family will not like them or prove who they are in Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 25, it says this, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. In our text this morning, John chapter 12, verse number 42 again says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. After our text last week, we saw that many had crossed over God's deadline, and the Lord was still challenging them and calling people to be saved. And apparently, in verse number 42, many people who heard Jesus speak, they believed in him. They believed that what he was saying was true and it was accurate, that he was the Messiah. He was the only way. But they wouldn't confess him with their mouth because they were afraid of the Pharisees. They were afraid they would be put out of the synagogue. They were going to lose all their friends. Their life was going to have to change. And verse number 43 sums it up. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. What were they doing? They were living to be locked. They wanted everybody to be happy with them. They wanted to make everybody happy. Well, the Bible teaches in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 through 33. Jesus said, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him also I'll confess before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him also I'll deny before my Father in heaven. Hell's going to be full of people who believe that Jesus was the Messiah and that Jesus died on the cross. And the only way to heaven is through his shed blood. But they weren't willing to turn from sin and to confess him as Lord of their life. They weren't willing to surrender their life to his lordship. And my friend, I want you to hear me this morning. That's the crowd, much of them, in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 23, that are going to stand before the great white throne, Revelation 20. And are going to say... Lord, Lord, I, I believed in you. I trusted in you. But they never confessed him. And Jesus will look at them and say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, because I never knew you. You never truly turned and surrendered your life to my lordship. They wouldn't bow the knee. And I want to share with you four things that Christ shares with us today. Four things to do to help find victory over living to be like. Living to be like. Number one, you must relinquish control of your life to Christ's rule. You must relinquish to Christ's rule. Look what the Bible says in verse number 44 of our text this morning, John 12. Then Jesus cried out, so in response to that, in response to all the people who believed in him but wouldn't confess him, 
because they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. He who literally, and remember, believing in him, what we're talking about is choosing to trust Christ as Lord. When the Bible speaks of believing in Jesus, it's not about a head knowledge, it's about a heart knowledge. Again, that's how far most lost people in the South are from salvation, about 18 inches. They've got it right here, but they've never turned from sin and received him right here. It's, it's, it's belief unto the lordship of Christ over your life. Just a few chapters back in John chapter 3, several weeks ago as we preached through John 3, remember Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen, verse 18, he who believes in him, that's Christ, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of of the only begotten Son of God. What's His name? The Lord Jesus Christ. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so they weren't willing to surrender their life to His Lordship. Romans chapter 10, again verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, for with the heart, Paul says, one believes unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. One confesses what they're, with their mouth what they have believed in their heart. And again, belief is choosing to trust Christ as Lord. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's his righteous rule over your life. And then he says, then all these things will be added. Unto you. It's life and life more abundantly. The supply of every spiritual and physical need, my friend, is found in Christ alone. He's our sufficiency. That's why the Apostle Paul could write in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 and say, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus. He is our sufficiency. And so the first step, friend, to being freed from this grip that many people have over them in living to be liked, they won't be liked by their kids, they won't be liked by their grandkids, they won't be liked by their neighbors, they won't be liked by their co-workers, they want everybody just to like them because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And it grips them. And all the while, friend, they're not trying and seeking after the praise of God. The first step to being freed from all of that is to relinquish control of your life to Christ's rule. And then secondly, to remain in Christ's control. You've, you've now been saved, and you're going to stay saved. Remember, friend, you, you, can't, you can't ever strip away sonship. Now, one, I'll tell you one thing that's true about me and my dad. I will always be Buddy Chandler's boy. There's nothing that can separate that. When I was little, I might disobey, and fellowship might be hurt. And we might not be as close as we should be because of fellowship, because I disobeyed him, but I'll always be his boy. There's nothing that can change that. For the rest of my life, I will always be Buddy Chandler's boy and Melissa Chandler's son. I'll always be that. That's, that's who I'll be. And friend, when you were born again, John 3, 7, you were born into the family of God. And you will always be a child of Almighty God. Nothing can change that. Nothing can separate that. 
The question, though, is whether you remain in fellowship with him by remaining surrendered to Christ's lordship over his life. You can't be saved until you surrender your life. But will you day in and day out continue to surrender your life? Ephesians 5.18, be not drunk with wine or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You're infilled when you trust Christ. But what Paul's speaking of in Ephesians 5 is con a continuation of being filled. Remaining under the control of Christ. That he's not resident, but he's president. He is constantly in control of your life. And so look what Jesus says in verse number 46. He says, I've come as light into the world. That whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Well, the opposite of abiding in darkness, he says, should not abide in darkness is to abide in the light. There's only two choices. There's light and there's darkness. He said, I've come that you might not abide in darkness, but that you might abide in the light. Psalm 119, 105, his word is to be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. As I am submitted to his lordship and submitted to his word, I remain in the light. I am remaining under Christ's control. Remember John chapter 12, verses 35 through 36 of our text last week. Jesus said unto them, a little while longer the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you might become sons of light. John chapter 8 and verse number 12. Jesus spoke to a woman who had been found in sin. And she spoke to them again, all those that brought her, and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It had been prophesied of him, even when Jesus was just still a baby. Before he came, Luke chapter 1, John the Baptist's father, after he had prophesied, Zacharias, of all the things that John the Baptist would accomplish, then he spoke of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse 78, he says, Through the tender mercy of God, by which the day spring, that's Christ, from on high has visited us. Verse 79, listen. He says, Christ is going to do this, to give light to those who sit in darkness, and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then after, as Jesus was being uh, redeemed and uh, his parents were being faithful to the, to the call of God uh, to redeem him as the firstborn. You remember that Simeon saw Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 30, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a lot to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. They knew Jesus was light. He was the light of the world. And my friend, you, you become a child of God when you relinquish control of your life to Jesus Christ. But every day and throughout the day, listen, you have to choose to remain under the control of Christ. It's a choice. There's only two choices. Stay under the control of Christ or go your own way. It's going to be one of the two. And in order, friend, to find victory over living for the locks of everybody, you've got to choose to remain in Christ's control. Uh, Job chapter 12, verses 23 through 25. Job responding to his yeah, real, real nice friends that he had, responding to all of their accusations. In verse number 23, he speaks this of God. He says, he makes the nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and guides them. He takes away the understanding of chiefs of the people of the earth. Listen, 
He makes them to wander in pathless wilderness. I want to read that verse again, those verses again. Listen to me. See if this reminds you of a country you know. He makes nations great and then destroys them. He enlarges nations and guides them. He takes away the understanding of the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them to walk in pathless wilderness. They grope in the dark without a light. He makes them stagger like drunken men. Reminds you of any country you know? And people who won't respond to the light and abide in the light, that's the reality of their life. He says God does all of those things. Great example of someone who chose to remain under the control of God. Remember that in the, the, the backdrop to the story of Judges, where every man did that which was right in his own sight, there was a beautiful picture that took place in the book of Ruth. Remember there was a famine in the land, Elimelech and his wife Naomi, for whatever reason, decided to leave the house of bread and go down to Moab. Well, there's nothing in Moab, but they chose to go down there anyway, and life just got worse. They found, instead of finding two Jewish wives for their daughters, they found two Gentile daughters, two Moabites. And Elimelech, he ended up dying, and the two sons ended up dying. And so there Naomi was with Orpah, one daughter, and Ruth, the other daughter. And so Orp, uh, Naomi realized, I need to go back to Bethlehem. She says, you girls, you're free. You, you go back to Moab, and you do what it is that you want to do. But listen to what in the ver verse number 14 of Ruth chapter 1 says. Then they lifted up their voices, and they wept again. This is all three of the ladies. And Orpah, one of the daughter-in-laws, she kissed her mother-in-law, and she was kissing her goodbye. But Ruth clung to her, and she said, Look, this is Naomi speaking, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything puts death but death parts you and me. Ruth was saying, I'm not going back to Moab. I've got a chance to be grafted into the family of God. And she says, now I'm going to cling to that opportunity. My friend, if you've been set free from darkness, Satan's going to try to tell you that there's something better to go back to the darkness in and not remain in the light. And every day you've got to respond to that light every moment of the day and say, no, there's nothing to go back to. I've relinquished control of my life. Now I see the light. I was blind, but now I see. And I will stay in the light with Jesus Christ. It's a choice that you've got to make every day because you are constantly being bombarded by media, by people, by voices, anything that Satan can speak to to try to tell you the same lie that he told Eve. God's holding out on you. There's something better in the darkness that's waiting. But friend, you've got to be surrendered to the truth of Scripture that if you've got Jesus Christ, praise God, you've got everything that you need. And so you've got to make a constant choice to remain in Christ's control. And then third, you have to receive Christ's commands. You have to receive them. Not, not just hear them, but to receive them as part of your life. They're literally going to be at home and a part of you. Look what our text says in verse number 48. Jesus said, He who rejects me 
and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. To not receive God's word, friend, is to not receive his son. And that's what you need to share with people when you're sharing the gospel with them. Say, well, you know, I, I've just got some things in the Bible, you know, that I disagree with. And I'm not rejecting Jesus. I just reject these parts of, of the Bible. Friend, you can't separate Christ from his word. And if you won't receive the word, this is one of those, you know, as a, as a college student many years ago, I would get a syllabus at the beginning of a course. And I didn't know everything that was in that syllabus. But when I signed up for the class, I was submitting myself to everything that was in the syllabus, even though I hadn't even read it yet. And when you come to Christ, there may be parts of God's Word you haven't read and you don't understand yet, but you by faith are submitting yourself and surrendering yourself to its rule and guidance over your life. And so when someone says, well, I just reject that part, then you need to share with them, then you're rejecting Jesus Christ because you can't separate Christ from His Word. You have to receive His Word. To refuse his word is to refuse his son. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verses 20 and 22. Listen to what uh, the author says to his son. He says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them at the midst of your heart. For they are life for those who find them and health to their flesh. Jesus in John chapter 6, again, he had many quote-unquote disciples who were following him. They loved the show. That's when a miracle took place. And they loved the provision. That's when he fed them. And that's, that, that's why they were there. And he began to share with them after he had fed the 5,000 that he was the bread of life. He was the bread who had come down from heaven. The manna that God had fed the nation of Israel with, it was simply a type of him. That's why when they said our souls hate this worthless light bread, God sent the snakes among them in the book of Numbers because they were cursing a type of Christ. And so Jesus was telling them, I am the bread of life. Verse 58 of John 6, and whoever eats this bread will live forever. Verse number 60 says, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying. Uh, who, can, who can understand it? They were hard-headed. And verse 61 says, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. Listen, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit. He says they're spiritual in nature. It's regarding spiritual things. And they are life. He says my word is is life unto you. And that's what Jesus is saying. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I've spoken to you will judge him in the last day. If you won't receive God's word and how to be saved, you'll die and go to hell. And as a child of God, my friend, you can stiffen your neck up at times, begin to go your own way, and God sends his word either through your personal study, which probably has not happened if you've chosen to go your own way or continuing to do it, but through a word shared, or through a word of encouragement somebody brings, if you won't respond to that, what you're doing is saying, you know, I don't want this abundant life that God has for me because that word is to lead you to a place of abundance. God's word is life. 
And so that's why James writes in James chapter 1 and verse number 21, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. That is, every day, every month. When's the best time to repent? As soon as you sin. Right then. You know, it's, it's literally, it's like, I'm not trying to be gross, but I'm trying to get as, you know, coarse as I can, just so you'll understand. It's like grabbing a doorknob, and somebody had just sneezed and then grabbed it right before you. And you grab that doorknob and your hand slips on it. And it's not axle grease. And you say, you know, well, I'll wash it, I'll wash it off next Sunday morning before I go to church. You wouldn't do that. You're going to find a bathroom or a bottle of sanitizer, and you're going to take a bath in it. Because you don't want just your hand clean, you want your whole body clean. Now, well, friend, as soon as you sin, you don't wait till next Sunday morning. You get clean You'd be better off to leave the goo on your hand than to leave the goo in your heart. You're to repent as soon as you, you sin. James says, before you come to the Word, lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness. Now listen, our response to the Word. And receive with meekness. Not some pompous attitude of, well, I'll receive God's Word. No. Meekness is not weakness. It's power under the control of another. It's, it's our life submitted to Christ's lordship. Receive with meekness the implanted word, listen, which James says is able to save your souls. He says that's to be our response. We're to receive Christ's command with weakness. But the Bible says that they re, the rejected word will judge you. For those who have... And, and can I just say, friend, you know, two, two things I hear so, so often you know, when, people, when, it, when it speaks about judging. First off, someone will say to you, don't judge me. You know, don't judge. You're trying to talk to someone about sin that's in their life. Don't judge me. You know, have you ever heard anybody say that to you before? And then you'll hear this. A coward who has the responsibility and opportunity to challenge someone about sin in their life will say, well, now, preacher, I can't judge nobody. You ever heard anybody say that? I can't judge. Well, they're right on one level. From the, We're not to judge people in the sense of, from a standard of our own. You know, that I've decided what's right and wrong, and so I'm judging this person. When you confront someone, listen to me this morning. I hope this helps someone. When you confront someone with blatant, outlived, I refuse to repent, continuous sin in their life, when you confront that person and challenge them about that, you're not judging them. You're simply sharing with them the Word of God that does judge them. We don't judge people. God's Word says what's right and wrong. And what God's Word has said is right and wrong, friend, it's always going to be right and wrong. And so for the person who refuses to trust Christ, the same gospel, listen to me, that could have led them to life, it'll send them to hell. The Word of God will judge them. How so? Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 13. John says, I saw a great white throne in him who sat on it, who from his face the whole earth and heaven fled away, but there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. They were judged by the things that were written in the books. One, whether their name was in the Lamb's book of life, but also the Word of God. It told people how to be saved and how they must be saved through Jesus Christ. 
And if people won't come to Christ, the word that could have led them to life will now lead them to eternity in a place called hell. If you're here this morning and you're still not saved, I'm telling you, God's word can lead you, lead you to life and life more abundantly, John 10. But if you won't turn and receive Christ, it'll judge you in hell one day. And for the believer, it, it, God's word judges us, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We'll stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And we thank God we're not going to give an account for sin. But we're going to give an account for how we've led our life as it comes to ministry. Did we surrender our life to Christ's will and Christ's plan for our life? Nobody else is going to be there to judge you. God's word will be there to judge you. And that's why 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 says this. And this is a warning. I hope you hear this this morning. Peter says it would be better for those who refuse to submit to Christ's lordship, it would be better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than having to known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. What's the Bible teaching? If you won't obey the word of God, it'd be better off for you that you never even heard it. Because God will judge you with a higher standard. So you're better off never even to know it. And so people just sit on pews every day and say, well, I've, I've received God's word. That's great, but my friend, that's just the first step. Now you've got to do it. It's got to be a reality in your life. The rejected word will judge you. Dr. Gray Allison used to say, it's a dangerous thing, listen, to know God's will and not do it. But you can't do God's will if you don't receive Christ's commands. And then fourth, once you've received them, Fourth, you must respond to Christ with obedience. Just do it. Whatever, listen, some of the greatest words in Scripture were given by the words uh, from the, the mouth of Christ's mother at the wedding in Cana. She, she told those that stood around, she said, that's my son, you see him there? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Just do it. Don't stand and argue, just do it. And friend, I want you to hear me this morning. If you want to be set free from just living to be liked by everybody, be a doer of God's Word. Let, let the mission of your life be till you step into eternity, if you've been saved, to just do everything God says to do as soon as He says to do it. Just, just do it. Let your life be marked by obedience. Look at verse number 49 of our text, John 12. He says, For I have not spoken... Of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command. What I should say and what I should speak. Verse 50. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Well, what were the first words that we know of that Christ really spoke as he began his, his ministry? His public ministry. Well, Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And Christ preached this message. Two points. Repent and believe in the gospel. Why did he preach that message? Why, why, why did he begin his public ministry with those words? Repent and believe in the gospel. Why, why did he say that? Because that's what God told him to say. He said God told him what to say, and he spoke exactly what God told him to say. Verse 49, again, John 12, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And so he obeyed the Father. Friend, listen to me. 
Jesus didn't come to be locked by anybody. He came to give his life so that people might have a relationship with his Father through his shed blood. And they could experience God's love. That's why he came. And so he responded with obedience to the commands of Almighty God. He obeyed the Father in all things. Listen, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 21. Listen, he says, For to this you were called. He's, now, Peter specifically is speaking of suffering. And Christ is our example. But listen, it, it reaches every part of our life. For to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus was obedient, Philippians 2, to everything God told him to do, even obedient unto death. And so the Bible says he's, he's, our, he's our example. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 24. Listen to what the Bible says. Then Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And Luke 9, 23 adds, we're to do it daily. We're to follow his example. We're to follow him, and we're to do it daily. He obeyed the Father in all things. We're to obey the Father in all things. We don't pick and choose. We don't say, well, these, these are convenient. Well, this is expedient for me to go to heaven, and this is convenient for me to live how I want to. That's not the life of a disciple. The life of a disciple is marked by obedience in all things. Why? Because Christ's life was marked by obedience in all things. He's our, he's our example. And so when I relinquish control of my life to Jesus Christ, when I remain surrendered to his lordship, when I receive his words, when I respond with obedience, listen, follow me on this. I'm then in a growing and glowing relationship with God through Christ and the thoughts of non-like-minded people. Now listen to me. The thoughts of non-like-minded people. Now if a brother, sister in Christ who loves the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and wants their life to be nothing but pleasing to Jesus comes to me and says, man, I'm burdened by something that's going on in your life. Well, if I know the testimony of that person, then now I'm burdened. That, they're, that they've got a problem. But my friend, the thoughts of non-like-minded people who wouldn't know God if they met him in the road, whose lives are marked by living for the world, the thoughts of those people when I'm rightly related to Jesus Christ, listen, they are of no importance to me. Now I'm not living to be liked. The only concern I have now, friend, is to live my life in such a way that it glorifies the one who bled and died for me. I don't care if I'm locked. I don't care if Jesus is honored by how I live my life. My friend, that is the simple pathway to be freed of living for locks. John chapter 8, verse 36 says, Therefore, if the Son shall make you free, you are free indeed. Praise His holy name. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for the freedom that can only be found in Jesus Christ. God, in this place today, there could be someone who's never turned and relinquished control of their life to you. Holy Spirit of God, convict them of that truth. Draw them, we pray, O oh God, to your side. And Lord, I'll pray they'll choose 
in this time of invitation, to turn from sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. Even in the quietness of their heart now, they'll cry out to you, God, for salvation, praying just like this, God, forgive me a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. I surrender my life to Christ's lordship. I turn from sin. I surrender to Jesus. Be Lord of me. God, I pray now you'll help that person when our invitation begins to be bold. Not to be afraid like many of the Pharisees were who were afraid of what their peers would think. But I pray someone will be so bold they'll step out in one of their, these aisles and make their way forward and say, I've trusted Jesus today. They'll tell everybody they've received Christ as Lord. God, I pray for a brother and sister in Christ who you've challenged them today because they may not be in your control right now. They've taken control back of their life. They're calling the shots. Oh, convict them, I pray. And I pray this morning will be a fresh resubmission to your Lordship. God, I pray for the believer who still, God, for whatever reason, daily, daily, is not setting aside a quality amount of time to have, to have a time to, to study and receive your truths as they read your word and pray and have fellowship with you in, in a quiet time every day. God, I pray you'll convict them of that. And I pray they'll begin now to set aside that time, just 15 minutes of the morning, starting out, 15 minutes of the morning, starting out, to begin those steps. And then grow it, God, as they grow in knowledge of you. Challenge those today, God. I pray you'll challenge those who are not being obedient. There's, 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 there's a sin someone has today. There's a sin someone has. They know to do good, but they haven't done yet. It may be for someone, God, they've been saved, but they've never followed you in believers' baptism. They're out of fellowship with you because baptism comes after salvation. God, convict them of that. There's someone you've called to witness to a neighbor or to a friend, but they're still saying, I can't, when your word says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever it is, God, whatever it is that's a besetting sin in someone's life today, God, I pray they'll yield themselves, ask for forgiveness, and be willing to be used. Oh, God, set us free from Satan's trap of desiring to be liked and accepted by this world. God, burden on our hearts that will only be desired to be accepted by you and to live a life that pleases you and glorifies you. Bless this invitation, God. Draw people into your will now. I pray people will respond with yes. It's in Christ's precious name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.